Hello and welcome to another episode of Biomass. We're on episode 153, which actually marks our three-year anniversary, which is pretty crazy. So really want to thank everyone for tuning in to us. It's a big deal for us to make it this far and, and get these episodes out for as long as we have. So let's roll right into introductions with Sarizel at the top of the list. Hey, I'm uh, Sarizel. Um, I am a co-host here on the show, a former member of the CPM. Um, I play a lot of Blizzard games. I've given uh, more money than most people would like to ever see happen to uh, Star Citizen, and um, that's 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 me. Now, what I really wonder is if you've given more money to Star Citizen than Denny Fleetfoot has given to CCP. No, I have not. I can okay. I can okay. I can <laughs> absolutely confirm for certain that I have not given Star Citizen as much money as Denny has given CCP. And I never that, will. That's something special. <laughs> All right, Bait, you're up. Uh, yeah, hey, everybody. What's up? My name is Bait. Um, I, I don't really do anything. I drink ginger ale, and right now I'm tuning a banjo. Ginger ale's good, though, so you can just... Okay. All right, and Jay, you're up. Uh, yeah, I'm Jay. I'm one of your humble correspondents here, and uh, I'm just happy to be back from one of my numerous vacations that I take from the show. And I believe 153 is the world, the worldwide area code for somewhere in South America. Let me think. Um, it's maybe Belize, something like that. I'll have to confirm that on Google, but I'm pretty sure it's in South America. All right, and I'm Pokey Draven. Uh, back from being sick, I uh, want to thank uh, Zell and Bait for stepping in and, and taking care of the show while I was dying in bed for, for the last week. So I'm, I'm almost back to 100%, and I'm, I'm glad to be here. Uh, Livy is currently having child aggro, so she could not join us today, unfortunately. But we've got the the crew here, so we're having good good time here. Um, and it was Nicaragua. I'm Nicaragua? Sorry, there you but go. I was in the right continent. <laughs> awesome. All right, guys, let's I, go kind of into... Oh, I feel oh, like just, I, I just did some, some napkin math here. I just want to state that I've given CCP more money than I've given to Star Citizen. Um, between years of EVE subscriptions, all the endless amounts of skins and boosters and stuff I bought in Dust. Um, I just bought that new Frigates of EVE book. That was like $100. Um, I, I, CCP's made bank off me. I, I don't... I'm probably not Denny Fleetfoot level, but... but more than more than I've I've spent on Star Citizen for sure. That's terrifying. Denny, Denny has spent enough money on CCP CCP that they probably have like whose month is it that he sponsors? He's like you know like those little ads you get for X number of dollars. You too can sponsor this starving African child. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that he's that it's somewhere in uh, Denny's office, he's got like a picture of a little like CCP Ragnar or something like that. that he's been sponsoring for the last eight years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I, I, I figure Hilmar's got to have a little Denny shrine somewhere in his office too. Oh no. Well, the funny thing is like, there, there's clearly some guys that are thrown, that are like making it rain for CCP. And, and Denny is, he, he's a, he is not a whale. He is like a, a small dolphin, if you will. But there are some guys that throw some serious uh, cashola at those dudes. And uh, the fact that they're hitting more than Denny is scary. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's pretty crazy stuff. All right, let's move into kind of our our movies and all the good stuff we've got going on. So last week, uh, these guys failed and did not talk about the Thor Ragnarok trailer. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Which is... 
which is a really awesome trailer and a really bad one to miss because it it was hilarious. What did you guys think? It, it was one? actually pretty good. I, I will have to say it definitely t- it definitely changes the the tone of uh, of the flick. You definitely you kind of get the heavy like Shakespearean esque thing that they were trying to go go for, particularly in the Kenneth Branagh uh, first one. Uh, but this, the scene with Thor and Hulk is great. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing I noticed, and I, I they really only hinted at it, but um, if you noticed with all their logos and text, they they went heavy on the uh, you know retro look to that. I I really think they're trying to um, it, you know obviously Thor's had only mediocre success in the in the span of Marvel movies. Um, I think they're trying to to Guardians of the Galaxy it up a bit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely got that five from it too, which isn't really a bad thing. So it, it, it should be pretty good. I, I'm I'm hyped for this one. What about you, babe? Did you did you check it out? Uh, yeah, I did, and uh, I thought it was okay. Um, I wasn't too terribly impressed by the other Thor movies. Um, so I I don't think I'm gonna be too terribly impressed by this one. Uh, I think this one will probably be a little bit. I, I think I think the Guardians of the Galaxy lather is on it because it also it clearly in the trailer they're talking about uh they're, they're expanding beyond like kind of the the world of earth slash midgard so the games master is very much related to the collector the benicio del toro character you see in the guardians movies uh which is kind of interesting uh that, which actually further ties them back into the infinity war stuff so i am kind of keen to see how this goes uh and there's some there's some pretty good uh pretty good hints floating around online that there's some really, really cool scenes in here, particularly, uh, uh, let's see. Scourge is a longtime Thor villain. This is in that, this, that will now be in this movie that apparently has like a, kind of a, a neat little character arc throughout the movie. Uh, he's played by Carl Urban, who is, you know, Lord of the Rings fame and quite a few other things played judge dread. Uh, but, uh, he has this neat little character arc in the movie that apparently works out r- r- very cool. So I think they're going to drop a lot of the more, uh, galactic, you know, the galaxy spanning sort of realms of, of, uh, the universe kind of thing, wh- which I think would be frankly good. Cause that's really one of the cool things that Thor gave the Marvel universe access to even in, in its first movie. And you haven't really seen a lot of these other worlds, but they're certainly alluded to. So I don't know. I think things going to look pretty cool. Plus, it definitely, I got the impression that everything you saw in the trailer could be like in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Uh, and then it supposedly shifts to more of a, I guess, a road movie or a buddy cop movie between Hulk and Thor for the rest of the flick. Yeah, that, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I mean, their, their interactions have always been really pretty funny. I think I remember uh, the first first Avengers movie when they had their little, little bit together when he... Uh, you know, Hulk hits him across the room. I laughed pretty damn hard. It was it was pretty great. Plus, it's got Loki in it, which is always a good thing. He's a it, it's, surprisingly good actor. Yeah, it's it's got Loki, and that's really all you need to know to to know that you should go see it. Um, I I also noted it does, and I, we already knew this, I think, pretty much. But uh, Natalie Portman is not in it. She didn't want to be. She actually didn't really want to be in it anyways. So um, she had to be kind of coerced to come back for this the last one. So. Um, they're just they're just doing away with the whole Earth romance plot line entirely. Yeah, I mean, I like her as an actress, but I don't know. It just it felt kind of forced in, I guess, for the first two films. So I, I think it's it might be for the best that we get away from that that whole thread. 
All right. So another Marvel movie that's coming out, uh, or not movie, I'm sorry, a TV series, Cloak and Dagger. I'm not familiar with this one, but I'm hoping one of you guys are. Can you tell us a bit about what, what's going on with that? Jay, you know something more than I do, right? I do. I hope. <laughs> so, okay, go for so, it. Uh, Cloak and Dagger is it's a, an older Marvel property. They've been around for a long time. I, I, I want to say maybe maybe as far back as kind of the early to mid 80s. Um, and they, they've had some kind of interesting, you know, much more, uh, you know, I hesitate to use the word more, more adult storylines even back, back kind of in the day, but they definitely bridged a lot of different topics. So Cloak and Dagger are basically, and this is somewhat depending on the version that you're, you're paying attention to in the comics, by the way, but they're basically two mutants that uh, grew up on the streets together. Um, and, you know, basically started like watching out for each other. And it was not very clear, depending on, again, on kind of the version, they, they became an item uh, and it was somewhat groundbreaking. Well, not groundbreaking, but it was definitely out of the norm back uh, when the, when the series first came out, because cloak is obviously he's an African-American male. And then you had dagger who is uh, a white female, which there's Marvel's actually been quite good at sort of poking at sort of social edges uh, throughout their time, particularly in understand Lee's uh, uh, his sort of watch. And that's actually what a lot of the X-Men gen- generally were about, and, you know, at least in terms of how the mutant characters were uh, sort of portrayed. But anyway, he has the power of this thing called the dark force, which is very, very much whatever the writer at the time needed it to do. He can do um, in terms of, he can teleport, he can create shadows, he can kind of phase in and out of substances, um, occasionally can shoot like black beams of energy. It's, it, it is a little bit amorphous, but imagine somebody with the power of shadow, so to speak. Um, and then Dagger is kind of much more your traditional mutant power of like creating hard light, so to speak. She creates daggers out of light or she can, you know, spontaneously you know, like super LED light, you know, million counter power, power light up a room. And it, it really definitely goes through the, uh, at least in the trailer, it, they're pretty much have some homages back to that. Some, I think they're taking some, a few liberties with it, but um, I, I was actually a little surprised that they're making this, to be honest with you. I'd, I've heard about it for a while, but it's not a very well-known property at all. They are side story characters usually at best. So I'm kind of interested to see what they do with this. Uh, that being said, a lot of the Netflix characters, you know, outside of like the Punisher and Daredevil, I guess, but um, the you know, you know Luke Cage was definitely a not a not an A team player. Uh, neither was Jessica Jessica. Jones. So, and Iron Fist, you could argue, was not really a big big Marvel character until very very recently, and he's not even that big now. So, I, I'm kind of interested to see what they do with it. Yeah, it's interesting the the route they're taking with a lot of these TV ones. It seems like they're just trying to do a little of everything and see what sticks. And they've obviously had some successes and some failures with that. So it doesn't really surprise me that they're doing something like this. But yeah, this is a, a much older property. I Again, I don't know much about it. My brother kind of gave me a brief synopsis um, since he apparently knows way more than I thought he did. Um but yeah, no, it would be good to see how it plays out. I mean, like with a lot of these these TV ones, you know, it's hit or miss, and we'll, we'll kind of see how they how they do with it. Uh, one thing I would note generally about a lot of the, the – now, is this a Netflix one or a regular – No, so this is actually – I was just looking this up. Um, so it's on a channel called Freeform, and I'm like, what the heck is Freeform? Freeform is ABC Family. Ah, okay. And it has just been – and it was recently renamed uh, to Freeform. So – 
Yeah. That's a stupid name. I'm going to miss ABC fans because now who's going to do my fucking 25 Days of Christmas countdown every year where they play fucking Freeform. What are they going to call it? God, God only knows. Fuck. I don't like that. This this is this is the man who's cussing a blue streak talking about the little baby Jesus' birthday. All right. So <laughs> anyway, the uh, I will uh, one of the things I was kind of th- sitting here thinking through this. One of the neat things that the TV medium does is that if you want to do it well, you really have to make good TV and downplay the superhero part, or at least you know have the stories be really good because you're going to have to carry it not on the strength of Michael Bay like you know visual effects. So I, I think that is one of the things that Netflix generally did extremely well. They also picked characters that you don't have to go too overboard. I mean, they don't really have a lot of super super flashy, showy stuff going on. Uh, so I'm kind of interested to see how this one works out. Uh, and I think like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that, that show definitely has some ups and downs. Like its high points are, are actually quite good and its low points are very forgettable. But one of the things they do well is that they – they use their sort of visual effects uh, budget pretty sparingly and usually pretty well, at least from what I can tell. So I'm kind of interested to see how they do this one. If they, if it's really a good story and there's the superhero elements that are weaved throughout, which I'd say is is very much like how the daredevil and the Luke Cage uh, Netflix series went. Yeah. It should be good to see. Uh, another thing that is coming out and this one is going to be a Netflix series, but uh, Carmen San Diego seems to be getting her own uh, animated series. that's coming out. I know that we've talked a bit about this in the past and Bate didn't actually know who Carmen San Diego was, but uh, yeah, now we had to, we had to show him the old, uh, the old VHS quality uh, game show uh, videos of it. So he could kind of get a feel for, for what the old game show used to be. I like. still I, like, Maybe Netflix could could do us all a great favor, and as part of this, you know, that they're doing their own new animated series, maybe they could get the rights to, to like, legit show the old game show on Netflix. That would be awesome. Oh, I don't know if people would watch it, though. I mean, it's, 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 it used to be a kid show, like an old kid it's show. It's so 90s. It's 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 one of the most '90s things. Yeah, but it says you can't do that on television. I don't want to watch that and get green slime thrown at me either. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the details on this are, are pretty slim. There is some pretty slick uh, trailer art or teaser art they've got out, but uh, not a whole lot of details when it's coming out. But it's gonna be twenty episodes long, uh, twenty-two minutes each. So pretty standard fare, um, you know, for a, a half-hour, um, you know, TV-style uh, format. So that's kind of what you can expect. But yeah, it's uh, it should be pretty awesome. It's gonna go kind of into the backstory of Carmen San Diego and kind of give some of her story and that sort of thing. So I, I'm looking forward to this. I'll probably actually watch this because like Zell said, it was so nineties, but I was, that was the shit I was watching when I was a kid. So, you know, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited for this one. I think it should be pretty cool. So in movie news, there is to my surprise, uh, see, I thought that James, James Cameron's avatar, uh, they made it a really good film, uh, came out, I think it was like what, nine, 10 years ago, something like that. Uh, and I, I thought they were making, a trilogy out of it, which I kind of roll my eyes at, and I, much to my surprise, apparently they are making actually four additional movies, so bring a total of not, uh, five movies to the entire series. Uh, we are finally getting some proposed release dates for uh, these films. It, it's kind of crazy. Um, December, the, the d- exact date kind of varies a little bit, but you're looking at Avatar 2 in 2020, 
uh, Avatar 3 is going to be in 2021, and then I guess Avatar, sorry, yeah, Avatar 4 will then be in, uh, let me see, 2024, and then 5 will be in 2025. So we've got, you know, four films planned out for the next, you know, eight years. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they <laughs> like they killed, like, everyone in, you know, it's... This movie was in 2009. I think I can spoil it by now. Um, <laughs> they killed off... Well, they kind of killed off Sigourney Weaver's character. They left it obvious how she could come back. Um, they killed off Michelle Rodriguez's character. They killed off... Um, I forget his name, but I'd recognize if I saw it. The, the general guy. Stephen Lang. Yes, Stephen Lang. That's it. They killed his character. Um, like they didn't, they, they didn't leave a lot of people alive. Um, so, but I guess they're really trying to move to new settings and stuff like that. They're talking, they were talking heavily about one of them being, uh, involving the oceans of Pandora specifically. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's interesting too, that it's got this like set of two movies and then four years and then another set of two or three years and then another set of two movies. Um, as if they're both going to be like two parters or something. Um, I, I I don't know. Um, I I'm just. I mean, I know the movie was was definitely a spectacle. You know, but I do not remember it being just this huge groundswell for a second one. <laughs> you know, much less a third, fourth, fifth one. It, it, yeah, no, it was it was well self-contained. I felt satisfied at the end. I didn't feel like there needed to be more. I think that the message they wanted to say came across well, and and that was it. Like this is a, a really good example of a movie that doesn't need a sequel, much less four of them. And it's not even like prequels. You said so, right? Like they're all they're all going to be sequels. I believe so, but I don't know for sure. Um, but I mean, you know, Avatar set kind of the set the bar for what every other movie tried to do visually for like the last eight years. Um, so, and he's talked up how many different new, new things he's trying to develop to make the next one. Um, I'm honestly, I'm a little curious. I, you know, he's not, it's, it's not like Michael Bay where you've got that visual quality, but you're like, it's the most grown worthy thing you've ever seen in your life. Um, I want to see, I want to see him. I, you know, it's just, it's, it's funny to me that it's gotten pushed back so many times by the time it comes out, um, it will have been 11 years, um, you know, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm excited. I want to see it. I just, you know, it's taking forever. I mean, visually, sure. I mean, the film was great. It's one of the few films I saw in 3D that I felt was worth it for 3D, but it's, I just don't think they can draw the franchise out for five movies and have it be cohesive at the end, or at least not forced. You know, I think that my main concern is it's going to be, all right, I guess movie number four is coming out. Like, good God, make this stop. I mean, I don't want to compare to Michael Bay, but it's kind of like Transformers. Like, another one? Really? Just, okay, I guess. You know, <laughs> we'll see what it does. But I, I this this feels unnecessary and I, I don't know maybe it'll be really good I'll, I'll put my foot in my mouth but you know when you're planning out four movies of sequels you know a lot can go wrong and I, I'm just I, I don't I don't think it's gonna turn out too well well if it goes wrong then there won't be four sequels because um well, I, I recall <laughs> there was I recall there was quite 
quite the number of uh, new Spider-Man movies that were supposed to come out based on the Amazing Spider-Man line, and that didn't happen. Well, but the thing is, it'll probably sell well, regardless of how good or bad it is, because it's James Cameron, it's Avatar, you know, it's... You don't have to necessarily make a good movie just to make a popular one to keep your, your train rolling. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there's there's something to that, but none of these movies the, none of these movies will be cheap to make either. So yeah, I, no, you're, you're right, because we're going to have to listen to James Cameron go on for the next eight years about how it fucking cost a billion dollars or however the fuck it cost to make the first Avatar movie. I don't even fucking like James Cameron, so I'm going to listen to this stupid movie. Well, the guy is he, you know, from a technical aspect, he is about about as good as you can find in terms of the, like the the ability to make a film. What he did in Abyss was you know dramatic in terms of like the technical capability to film essentially an entire film underwater, like quite literally. Uh, a lot of the inside scenes, those weren't sets. A lot of that was actually underwater, uh, like like the inside the. Uh, like the the undersea uh, drilling rig, that was still underwater. <laughs> uh, quite a bit of that was anyway. So, uh, like his ability to do these kind of things is is pretty uh, pretty powerful. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the original Avatar made around 2.7 billion worldwide wow. when it was all said and done. So there's money to be made there. But I th- I would it would not surprise me if a large chunk of the money that they made was, or at least in the long term was probably off of some of the patents that he created in ter- terms of some of the filming techniques that they used. Uh, so there, there's definitely something to that. Uh, but I just, they're going to have to do something dramatically different with the story. So I, I think he could do this. I mean, he's a, he's a, he is a talented director and producer. Well, and, and frankly, a really good cinematographer. He's probably, the difference between him and Michael Bay is that he can actually make pretty good engaging stories while having the great, visual spectacles or you know the technological leap aheads in filmmaking so i'm kind of interested to see what he does with it but i I think i think you know jake said it almost exactly right they've kind of wrapped up this this whole storyline around pandora in a fairly neat little bow the only thing that you could that the, the story really left you with was you know, okay, so the humans that were all kicked off of Pandora all come back with an invasion fleet and then they like subjugate the world. Yeah, you know, that's really all you're, le- that's about what you're left with, unless you really have something that's more self contained in terms of what's going on in the movie. You know, like going to a more aquatic environment, going to different environments, but I'm, I don't know what you're going to bring in. Um, like bring what what else you could bring into the uh, into the story based on the world of Pandora. Yeah, I mean that that's going to lead you so far. That's why I originally thought like, okay, they'll do a trilogy where the humans come back and they'll they'll dance around with that for two movies and call it a day. So I, the I fact mean, they're doing five, I'm like, oh geez. <laughs> I mean, it just really means we don't really have a good a good placement on what a sequel would be like. Sometimes you have a movie that ends with such a clear, here's what our problem is for next time you know that you already know this is this is where this what the sequel will be about and we really i i think this is a very open-ended it could be any way i presume though that the fact that he's gone and said we're gonna make a total of five of these suckers means that he has a pretty pretty clear plan in place at least well i'm sure he's got a plan it's just you know <laughs> how, how good is it gonna actually be once you you put it on the on the film so you know we'll, we'll have to see it'll, it'll be uh 
It'll be a long story to follow, but uh, we still have you know three years to wait. Well, you're, for... you're you're judging the, the man who currently owns the like first and second spot on the you know most profitable, most highest revenue movies of all time. So well, don't get me wrong; I think he does a really good job. It's just in this particular franchise, I'm surprised they're trying to stretch it out as much as they are. That that's all I'm really saying. I'm not trying to speak negatively of his work. I think he does some great stuff. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how this, this particular avenue pans out. Movie's going to be like Transformers. Call it uh, right now. It, it won't. No, not that bad. <laughs> yeah, <it will laughs> nothing, nothing can Transformers like Transformers. Oh, he's speaking the Transformers. Did you guys see the trailer? For the no! Movie? No, we're not talking about the Transformers movie. Everybody's heard about the Transformers movie. It's got Mark Wahlberg, though. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg's in it. Surprise. He was in the last one. Goddamn it, Sal. All right, guys. So uh, let's move on to X-Men here. X-Men's got a new new series of films coming out, it sounds like. So the first one is New Mutants coming out on April 13th, 2018. I think uh, I think that's their maybe an attempt at still ch- continuing to cash in on some mutant-y, X-Men-y kind of stuff. So we'll see how that one goes. Yeah, there's there's not a ton of details on it, but it's you know it's it's another X Men film. I mean, you kind of know what to expect at this point. It's it's probably going to fall along the similar similar threads as what you've seen before with the other main mainstream titles. Uh, the other X Men one, of course, is Dark Dark Phoenix is coming out November second, twenty eighteen. I'm surprised they're that close together, actually. Yeah, what is that one? I haven't well, heard anything about this. Dark, Jean Dark, Gray. Dark Phoenix oh. will be the main the mainline continuation of the last of you know that last four movies or whatever um the new mutants thing is going to be more of a side thing as far as i understand it that's it's going to be meant to appeal to a younger audience the dark phoenix movie will be more of your mainstream x-men thing and then of course uh deadpool 2 which is next year as well uh will be the the hard r stuff so they're they're kind of you know rather than making a bunch of movies that appeal to the same audience they're making kind of a, a, a spread of movies there with different appeals that's not a bad idea. I mean, they, Marvel's definitely, you know, they try to keep themselves at just below the market saturation point. So something like that is not a, you know, not a bad idea, actually. I mean, they, they have some other things coming out. Deadpool 2 is going to come out. And that one, my understanding is that that is, in fact, going to be somewhat more tied to some of this next crop of uh, Marvel Marvel products or at least the Marvel slash Fox products, uh, which I, I think that's probably a smart move on their part, as long as they don't go kind of crazy with it too much. Uh, and I think your assessment that the Dark Phoenix storyline being a kind of the quote-unquote mainstream um, continuation might be it. Although I will, for the record, say that I think that the fan theory behind Logan with the first and the last, with the first first x-men movie and then logan being really the bookends and all the rest of it was fantastical stories captured in the comic books that you saw planted throughout the movie logan might actually be something to that i actually like that i think that kind of it gives them a bit of freedom but also kind of encapsulates encapsulates everything into a nice nice package so i know that's that's actually a pretty solid fan theory in that regard and i guess um dark phoenix should be kind of a little bit like a redo of uh x-men 3 to some I get, degree. Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, they, that was, you know, that movie just was really, really frustrating because they did 
the classic example of like overreaching on all levels. The Dark Phoenix storyline is like uh, you know kind of a classic comic book uh, storyline that that was extremely well done back in the day, and it was handled really well. But you'd have to bring in some other a lot of different elements into it, and, and they just really kind of sort of made a hash out of that and a lot of other things in X Men Three. Yeah, I mean it's it seems like they're trying to kind of go back and smooth out a lot of the bumps that they had along the way and then kind of create a more uh, streamlined experience, I think, overall. So it should be good to see. And it looks like uh, Deadpool 2 will be slated for June 1st, uh, 2018. So we still got a bit a bit to wait on that one, a little over a year. But, uh, you know, we're all we're all pretty hyped for that. So I'm, I'm excited to see kind of where they take that as well. Well, they did. Uh, I think you guys talked about it with the, uh, the casting of Cable, which I think is pretty meta. It's I, It would not surprise me that... One of the deciding factors in Josh Brolin being uh, picked was that he already plays Thanos just so they could purely have those one or two jokes somewhere in the movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think everyone kind of expects that. All right. So let's move into some uh, some gaming news here. And this is kind of a funny one because um, Zell had talked to a, a bit about it um, kind of on our, our back end channel earlier this week. And it looks like they are actually taking a... Uh, Overwatch map and translating it into Heroes of the Storm. And so as I'm going through the show notes, he listed this out, and I wasn't really reading as I was clicking the link. And it started panning over um, this map, and I was like, oh, so it's more Overwatch stuff. And then, like, wait, there's lanes and minions? I'm confused here. So, <laughs> um, Zell, do you want to tell us a bit about what's going on with the uh, Hanamura map that's coming to Heroes of the Storm? Yeah, so... Um... You know, the last couple weeks I've mentioned a couple of different things that they've announced. Um, is This is actually all coming on Tuesday of this week. So uh, depending on how quickly I actually get the show posted and how quickly you listen to it, it may already be out by the time you listen. Um, but but I mentioned all the changes that they were making to their progression um, system and adding loot boxes and basically importing a bunch of features from Overwatch. And they are, in fact, coupling that with adding a map from Overwatch as well as uh, one more Overwatch hero at the same time. Um so it's a little bit thematic there. Uh, Genji is the hero they're bringing in who is their cyborg ninja, and Han- Hanamura is his family's uh, estate. Um, so it, it all kind of couples together there. Um, and they've done, uh, you know, they've done events in the past where they've done, uh, you know, where they'll, they announced uh, they were doing a Diablo event, and they released a bunch of Diablo heroes and Diablo maps, and they did... Um, a StarCraft event, they released some StarCraft heroes and some StarCraft maps, so so it kind of fits that now they're adding Overwatch a little bit stronger than just the couple of Overwatch heroes they already had. Um, and uh, kind of the distinct thing here for Heroes of the Storm is that, uh, over you know, Overwatch is a very different type of game in terms of the way the maps work and the way the game modes work. Um, particularly that the one of the most popular uh, game modes that exists on Overwatch is uh, escorting the payload. And the, uh, you know, the whole destroying towers mechanic really doesn't fit very well with uh, what an Overwatch map looks like. So um, they actually introduced a whole ton of new uh, new mechanics to Heroes of the Storm uh, just for this one Overwatch map so far. Um, it actually has four payloads, two for each team um, that can spawn, and then you have to escort them to the end point. And at the end point, they fire a cannon shot that does a damage... It, damage point to the enemy core so it's um fairly different than uh any of the existing maps in heroes of the storm um it looks huge which i'm i'm actually a little i'm a little worried about um there's another map that they introduced a few months ago that was very very large as well and i don't enjoy playing on it very much so 
Um, I'm not sure exactly how I will feel about this one until I get to play on it. Um, but it looks pretty cool. Um, it, it's very Overwatchy, um, but but it's in Heroes, and it's going to be very confusing because now I will have to preface everything I say, say about it with either this is in Overwatch or this is in Heroes, as it is now in both. <laughs> yeah, the video I was watching was pretty interesting uh, with all the mechanics that kind of adding in. Is is this kind of a, a trend that we're seeing with the Over or sorry, the Heroes of the Storm 2.0 um, updates where they're trying to make the maps a little more? Uh, unique in how the mechanics work, or is this kind of a one-off? You think? Um, I mean, they they've always been mechanically unique. Um, in some ways, usually they have a very specific boss or control point or something that is unique to them. Um, some have mechanics where you collect seeds that. So, like, you know, there's a map that you collect seeds to get bosses, and then there's one that you collect gems. The gems have to be turned in at a at a where or you lose them when you die whereas the seeds if you run over them once you, they automatically are picked up and they count so even though you know they have fairly similar mechanics in some regards and there's there's kind of a couple different um methods to how they work um they are each technically a unique rule set on each map um it's just this one probably is the largest departure from the existing map styles in terms of um just having mechanics that really aren't like anything in any other mode as of yet. Right. And is this the first map update they've done uh, since kind of that 2.0 launch that they, they did? Well, this is the 2.0 launch. It's this coming. is the 2.0 launch? Yeah, okay. on, on okay. Tuesday. So, um, yeah, they've been they've been kind of releasing stuff over over the last couple of weeks about what was going to be in this, in this major release. Um, and so, yeah, they're doing the whole new progression thing and this map and a new hero all at one time. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if this trend kind of continues and they try to create more, um, you know, drastically unique conditions and mechanics for each of the maps and, and really kind of change up the, the gameplay for, for each map type. It'd be pretty cool to see. So we'll, of course, be following this one as we as we move on. And it does seem that Overwatch and Heroes of the Storm are, are all doing some pretty cool crossover stuff. So that's always kind of fun to take a look at. And we'll, we'll keep covering that as it does come out. Uh, now, another bit that's coming out from Blizzard is, and we talked a bit about this, I think, when they they announced the uh, StarCraft yeah. remastered, but the uh, original StarCraft is now going to just be free in general, right? Yes. Um, so they have a uh, 1.18 patch for StarCraft Brood War, which includes uh, some fixes to make it work better on newer operating systems in Windows 10. Um, and uh, that version is free for both PC and Mac. And we will have the uh, download link in the show notes. Yeah, so if you're a fan of you know RTS games and you want to get your retro on, you can check out uh, that original StarCraft. It will be free, and we'll, we'll get you a link, so be pretty cool stuff. Now, moving to a little more modern stuff, or <laughs> maybe a little, a little bit of history, um, the new Call of Duty. We, we kind of expected this, but the next Call of Duty uh, has been announced to be taking place during World War II. They've kind of departed from their... Uh, ever-growing sci-fi-themed, uh, you know, COD games, kind of going back to the roots, much like Battlefield did with Battlefield One. So I, I think, Bait, you you do play Call of Duty, right? I surprisingly, yeah, I, I think I've played Black Ops Three more than I've played any other Call of Duty. Um, I really did like this this quote from uh, Activision CEO uh, Eric Hirschberg um, uh, back in February, I think. He's talking about how Infinite Warfare, quote, had a ton of great gameplay innovations, but it also had a setting that didn't appeal to all of our fans. I think that's really interesting. Um, you know, just seeing how the past couple of Call of Duties you know, seem to have been well-received, and then 
you know, it looks like they may have gone too far with uh, with the setting, uh, I guess, and some of the mechanics. Uh, and obviously people uh, didn't like that, so I, good on them, I suppose, for, for going back to what they know. Um, go ahead. No, I was just, uh, I think that's a really good analysis, though. I That being said, they really made, like, that. that those are really different kinds of games, like those more, like, futuristic ones that give you a whole lot more tools and flexibility that you will not have in a World War II game. So I, I suspect it's going to be a beautiful, awesome-looking game, and there are going to be a lot of really neat stuff. But you know what? So are the old ones. Like, they were really good. Like, even in, even when you consider, like, updating the graphics and all that other kind of stuff, you're very much moving on a vertical plane. You might do, like, a little bit of vaulting or climbing, like, over, like, you know, a waist-high, you know, fence or something. But you're not, you know, you're not going to do some of the things that were as clearly, you know, creating these really super, super high-tempo gameplay options that you had in some of the latter Call of Duties. So I, I am kind of interested to see what they do with this. I, I bet it's going to be good. It's going to be a good, really beautiful looking shooter. Probably have some neat, neat art objects in it, some like cool voice acting and, and a storyline to it, but it's, it's going to be a really different style of gameplay. And that's, I, I actually, the thing is for me, the, the whole sci-fi setting was what got me to buy another call of duty game. I'm like, Ooh, space. Um, whereas I have basically no interest in, in this. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they could do what some games have done, and like, how do we make it so that in, in like you know the the freaking Stone Age, somebody had this like makeshift you know Gatling gun thing? Um, Assassin's Creed's known for that, right? The the like for? taking like really new technology and then like just like shoving it in an old timeline. Um, uh, as I, as I, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if that translates really well, but Jay does raise a good point that, you know, when you go into a futuristic setting, you can, the, the player is more likely to kind of suspend their disbelief and, and, you know, go, okay, yeah, you can now run on walls because you've got futuristic jet boots and, you know, packs or whatever, you know, Titanfall 2 sort of stuff where you're, you can do crazy stuff because it's in the future. But when you do go back to, specifically a historical setting you're you're really gridlocked into what you can really use and i think even battlefield one kind of pushes the, the limit with you know kind of the number of automatic guns you're seeing on the field that's probably not realistic to what actually happened and they, they kind of have to push the limit with that and, and and so it gives a similar you know gameplay experience to the kind of the more modern battlefield games that came out and i think that you know call of duty kind of ran into this this issue because they pushed games out so often that you want to add stuff to your game when you have a sequel, right? You want to make it more interesting, have more features, not just be literally the exact same game. I mean, Call of Duty can be um, criticized for being similar to its other titles, but still, you you they kind of had this this thing of let's push it further up and up and up and further into the future because that gave them the options to kind of do some of these you know more interesting, unique things. Um, and obviously that didn't sit well with the fans. I think uh, Infinite Warfare did pretty poorly um, sales-wise, which is probably why they've made this change. But it, and like Jay said, it'll be interesting to see how they cope with the fact that they'll effectively have to remove a lot of gameplay elements because it just simply won't make sense in the setting uh, of a World War II game when you're coming off of a you know literally flying in space game. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to remove the whole... Uh... 
the whole space fighter segment. I mean, they had a whole flight sim built in practically. Well, I mean, you can you can do World War II fighters with with that. It won't obviously be you know space, but you know you can still have a vehicle component, and I think that will probably be fine. But you know, a, a lot of it kind of stems down to the kind of weapons you can have, um, the options you have for unique movement, that sort of thing. You know, you won't have any wall running, anything crazy like that. It's going to be pretty much you know World War II down in the dirt. You know, you've got your rifle, and then that's about it. You know, so it, it'll be interesting to see. I. I I hope that they can actually do well with it. It's just, uh, this might be a case of, you know, players ask for something and then when they get it, it, it's not really what they wanted. So we'll have to see if if it's received well. So speaking of going back to, uh, back to the classic roots. Now, um, I know you guys talked about last week that Nintendo hates making money and they have decided to discontinue their NES classic console, uh, no longer making that. So if you didn't get one, you're, you might be out of luck or you'll be spending a lot of money to pick one up. However, they have announced that they are looking to, they haven't announced it. It's a, it's a, it's a report sources. Okay. So sources have said that uh, Nintendo is going to be, uh, releasing an SNES classic. So same deal, um, I imagine. It'll just be, you know, this is, of course, you know, our speculation, but probably, you know, 30 or so games for the uh, Super Nintendo, um, you know, HDMI output, you know, classic controller input sort of thing going on. Um, I imagine it'll be much of the same. Obviously, it'll it'll do well, but, you know, who knows if Nintendo will actually get their stuff <laughs> shit together and, and produce enough to actually meet demand this time. Do you think that they were surprised by the demand for the NES Classic and just weren't prepared for it? Or do you think that was a choice they made to, to produce as many as they did, knowing that it was going to be popular? It sounds like they were surprised, I think. But, I mean, it's one of those things, I think Nintendo does it every time. They say, you know, hey, we're, n- we're not going to screw this up, you'll be able to get them. And then you can't. I mean, after, after heck, after the NES Classic thing, they were saying, well, there will be plenty of Switches. There will be plenty of Switches. And sure enough, they're, they're, they were pretty hard to get a hold of initially, too. Um, and still are in some in some places. Um, you know, they've said this almost every console release is, hey, we know it was hard to get a hold of them last time. We're going to do better this time. And it never is. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of want to know, like... Hey, will they maybe give us like the option to play NES classic games on the the SNES version if they can pack that in too? Or you know, is this is is this gonna just end up being well, you missed out? Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess I mean, I wonder if it's. I, I mean, I I really don't have an idea of what the numbers are in terms of the the uh, the hardware sold, but I, I I just don't hear anybody talking as much about. Uh, you know, the NES products as I do almost anything else. I mean, it, it strikes me that that's a, that's a good secondary system or one, if you have, it's generally more game, more geared towards younger demographics. So I'm, I'm a little out of touch with what the, the drive for wanting the NES, particularly the NES class. Nostalgia. I guess, but it's, it's just, it's, it does not seem like a, like I, I could see where you would continually have a hard time estimating what your your market share would end up being if that's if you're actually trying to go for a nostalgia bid, uh, because you're probably not picking up a lot of new new blood customers that way. It's really you know it's like folks like us, us that have played it before, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean it's it, it can be a difficult thing, and it, and like Sal said, it is pretty much entirely for 
the nostalgia of it. I mean, you can you can play any of these games easily online, probably with an emulator on your computer. Um, but I think people like the idea of actually playing it on a console, or you know, if it is available through some of the more modern ones, you the virtual console. But I'm not too familiar with how well that one works. But you know, who knows? We'll we'll have to see. I I mean, I would have I would have liked one just solely to you know kind of have it. I mean, that's kind of what Nintendo ends up being for me is it's not that I'm really necessarily getting it because I'm dying to have the games. You just kind of want it because it's Nintendo and you played that when you were growing up. And the fact that it looks like the old console um, and hooks up to your, your, your modern TV easily. Um, that, that was kind of the appeal for me, but uh, yeah, it's just, they're, they're tough to come by and it, it seems Nintendo isn't, isn't too concerned about actually meeting all of the demand. They're just trying to kind of, Push these out over time, and you know who knows. It's it'll be interesting to see how and kind of how they handle this next one as it comes up, or uh, if it comes up, you know they actually announce it. But I think it's it 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 would make sense to me that this would be the next step to to push out you know the next generation and and see how it goes. So speaking on on more modern consoles and a bit more of a umbrella one. Um, so Zell found this uh, article on Kotaku, and apparently. It is a big problem at console game repair shops that nests of roaches love PS4s. Um, it's apparently a really big problem that you'll your PS4 will stop working, you'll bring it into the repair shop, they'll crack it open and find either a, a nest of, of cockroaches or the, the remnants of one. Um, usually what ends up causing the failure is that there's so much rat, uh, so much... Um, roach feces that is built up on the power supply that it basically cooks the power supply and they have to scrape it off everything and replace the replace the power supply to get the thing working again and some places it's now become so common of a problem that there's actually a roach fee that they will charge on top of the normal repair cost because this repair guy has to deal with you know scraping the remains of, of cockroaches out of your console so um yeah, yeah if you have a ps4 apparently it's worse on ps4s than on xboxes and it stops working you might actually have a colony of roaches inside. Hmm. So I guess the two of you with your PS4s need to go down to your repair shops and uh, check this shit out for science, right? Um, well, I, I, I would assume it's dependent on if you live somewhere where, where cockroaches are common. Um, and, uh, you, you know, it's one of those that surprises me, too. It's like, this seems like it'd be easy to fix. Put some vents on the dang sucker, you know? Well, and apparently that's kind of the issue is that the internal space that's allowed inside the PS4, um, the way it's set up for the PS4 is it, it just it, it allows easy access because the vents are a little bit wider so they can get in. Um, and uh, it, it's it's warm, obviously, so they, they want to be in there. Apparently Xbox doesn't have this issue just because the way the vents are set up. It's, it's more difficult for them to squeeze their way in. Uh, they did say that a good way to avoid it is um, most commonly when this happens is because your PS4 is sitting... Uh, on the ground or near the ground, and it's kind of in a dark, you know, enclosed space because, you know, if you've dealt with roaches, you know that that's kind of areas they love, and they'll they'll tend to crawl in there. Now, if you want to avoid it, um, kind of do what I do. It's best to elevate it, put it up in a well-lit area, uh, maybe on top of your, your entertainment console or something instead of, you know, near the ground inside. And Honestly, you shouldn't have it inside an encased area anyways because it's going to overheat, but uh, yeah, keep it up off the ground and you should be good and and hopefully roach-free. Um, I actually haven't heard of anyone having this issue, but you know, the everyone I talk to in this area, they um, we don't tend to have roaches uh, 
in, in Arizona too much. So it hasn't been much of a problem here, but I can imagine in some other areas like, uh, well, Florida, maybe for, for baits, <laughs> um, you, you get a lot of bugs there. So, uh, I, I could see it being a problem, but, uh, we yeah, just gave just... everyone who listens to the show nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, it's better than, uh, it's better than uh, your console lighting on fire like your computer did, right? No, no, it's not. Not when it comes to roaches. <laughs> uh, I actually, well, actually, now think about it. My, I did have a friend um, a few years back whose PC stopped working because it had become infested with roaches because he had it stored in an area that was not clean, uh, a lot of food remnants, and uh, yeah, it, it, apparently they were they were just. A whole bunch of them were in there. It was it was pretty nasty. So uh, I don't talk to him anymore because yeah. Um, yeah That's yeah, when I, you it, throw it, the computer out and buy a new one. Kinda, yeah, yeah, kinda. I don't do bugs, so, so. <laughs> there you go. Well, I guess the just reading the article of Zelink, I guess the all the repairman's going to do is clean the damn thing and replace the power supply. So yeah. I mean, I guess if you have the tools at home, you save yourself. I don't even know how much it costs to repair a console. Like Fifty bucks, maybe. I I would pay all of that money for someone else to do that. Put some gloves on, dude. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Alternatively, just buy a PC. Or you, or you could buy a PC. But, uh, yeah. Actually, I'd be looking forward to see what kind of good deals they have on PS4's uh, holiday season. The last last year was, you could get them for 300 bucks, I think, so they'll probably drop down to the 50 bucks or so. So, you know, if you need to upgrade because you're your PS4 is infested with roaches, you know, that might be the time to do it. Is there like a new, is there slim PS4 already? Oh yeah. A slim Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that, sure that came out pretty much a year, a year after the, oh, they, 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 okay. uh, yeah, they, they usually get those out pretty quick. I mean, they'll, they'll do the, the 2.0 version where it's, you know, it's smaller, it's lighter, less power mm-hmm. consumption. Um, so if usually if you wait like a year, maybe a year and a half, you can usually get your hands on a, on a PlayStation slim and, and save yourself some money usually. Okay, so another thing that I wanted to talk about, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, I was obviously um, sick this last week, but uh, we are starting over here at Biomass some kind of Let's Play style uh, YouTube videos. And uh, a couple weeks ago, Livy and I recorded uh, the first four episodes of uh, the first series we're doing, I'm calling it Dungeon Crawl, and it's specifically going to handle games like... um, you know, horror games like Resident Evil 7 is the first one we're working on. Uh, we're going to give Neo a shot, which is kind of like a Dark Souls-style uh, game. Uh, I do want to do Dark Souls 2 and 3, um, and probably, you know, whatever from software game comes out next will probably be part of that series. And so we're going to try to kind of break that up into uh, genres, so to speak. And and if these guys want to get on it, um, we'll, we'll hook them up and get that all recorded and edited out for them. Uh, but for right now, we're going to kind of focus on, for me personally, with the Dungeon Crawl series. So uh, we're going to do uh, half-hour episodes, more or less. It might vary a little bit after editing, but we're kind of shooting for about a half an hour. Um, I'm going to see if I can release it twice a week. So you'll be looking at two 30-minute episodes a week. I'm going to do uh, Mondays and Thursdays for now. Uh, if I can't keep up with that pace or if I can easily keep up with that pace, we might change it up. might do um, one episode a week or maybe three depending on how it works out. But uh, by the time this episode shows, uh, episode um, one of Dungeon Crawl will be available on YouTube. You can go to www.youtube.com slash biomass podcast we'll also get a link up on the website so you have a direct link to it uh you can go check it out 
Uh, I will admit, because if you watch this show, you know that we always screw up the audio on the first uh, <laughs> first iteration of everything we do. Um, so I, I recorded the first four episodes all at once. And uh, unfortunately, the TV volume is a bit higher than I was expecting, and it didn't show up in our, our test run. So there is a bit of a reverb um, from the audio on the TV. You don't really notice it um, unless people are talking, which isn't too often in the game. So... Uh, I do apologize for that. You'll have to kind of put up with that for the first two episodes, but it's not too bad. But we will get that fixed, of course, uh, for episode five and moving forward. Um, but yeah, so we're doing, like I said, Resident Evil 7 is the first game that we're doing. Um, it's really good, by the way. Um, I haven't played enough of it to kind of give a proper review, but uh, once I get probably about five hours in or so, we'll do uh, a proper review on it. Me and Lydia will give our thoughts on it and... Uh, and let you know how that how that one is going. But uh, really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, had a good time recording it, and I'm, I'm looking forward to doing some more recording tomorrow, actually. So uh, should be good stuff. Now, is um, that on the Biomass channel? Or... Yes, that's, that's going to be on the Biomass YouTube channel. Like I said, it's just uh, youtube.com slash podcast is the, the link. But like I said, we'll get it up on the website on biomass.net, so you can just go straight to it, and you don't have to worry about trying to find it on YouTube itself. Uh, so that being said, uh, one last tidbit of information, uh, apparently we weren't very clear on this. So back when we were talking about, uh, Project Nova, and this was the episode of immediately following, uh, FanFest, we had talked a bit about, you know, the, the project moving to Iceland and people moving around and Rotati moving. And, uh, we did report that CCP frame was unfortunately going to be staying in Shanghai. So he's not on the project anymore. He'll be doing his own thing. Uh, and we did kind of comment a bit on CCP logic loop and CCP logic loop is the, uh, map designer that kind of came out of the project uh, about six months ago, I think, uh, maybe more or less. And, uh, he was posting actually quite a bit on Twitter and on the forums, kind of talking to players. It was a really cool guy. He's a nice guy to talk to him um but uh we were kind of talking that like oh yeah he's so fanatical about the game i'd be really shocked if he did not uh go with the project when it moved to iceland uh zell did actually uh ask him on twitter um immediately following the recording of that episode and uh he did confirm that unfortunately it was a hard decision but he is going to be staying in shanghai for various um reasons related to family or personal life or whatever um, so he is actually not going to be working on Project Nova, which is a real shame because he's a cool guy. But uh, we just kind of want to clarify that because there was some confusion on the forums that we were saying that he was going. Um, there was form was, drama. <laughs> form drama. Serious business. Um, yeah, and I, I just I just wanted to kind of set the record straight that um, when we did say that before, it was kind of just our own speculation, not actually saying that was the definitive truth. And then we did confirm it immediately after. Um, to find out that he is unfortunately actually staying in Shanghai. So just so that's out there. Um, and uh, I think we're all clear on that. So uh, I think other than that, guys, I think we're pretty good on topics here. So was there anything else you wanted to cover real quick before we uh, go into shout outs? No, I think that's it, man. Okay. I think we're good. All right, Zell, you're up. Don't mess this up. Shout out. Hey guys, my shout out is to all of you because I can't come up with one right now. God damn it. See, the thing is that I listened last week, and Bait was the one that, that zelled it up, um, and you actually had one. So I was, I was hoping that was like a, you know, turning over a new leaf and that you were actually going to be good to go this week. You still got, you still got nothing? 
<laughs> just, I, I, I gave my shout out. It was to everybody God, listening. God the like, the like five people listening to the show. Thank hey, you so much. Yes, yes. Three, three years of listening for those who have been been loyally listening to us since uh, a while ago. I can't believe we've been doing it this long. All right, Bate, you're up, man. Um, fuck. Uh, shout out to losing your homework that you're supposed to edit. Uh, I'm fucked. Uh, what else? Shout out to the, the, the weather. It's starting to get really hot here, and it's really annoying, and I don't like it. Um, oh, okay, this pissed me off. So check this out. The city that I live in sent out new regulations for what we can put in our recycling bin. So we can't put shit like public shopping bags. You know those plastic ones in the recycling bin. I can't put plastic no, no, you're, you're in my to take those. You're supposed to take those to the grocery store. And do what? They, like, I, I don't know about by you, but... Around here, um, we have a we have a grocery store called Jewel Osco, and Jewel Osco collects uh, grocery bags. No, we don't and have so it. nobody's recycling anywhere in this state actually accepts those bags because your expectation is that you'll take them to the grocery store. And recycle? No, fuck that, dude. We yeah. don't have that. That's stupid. Um, let's see, what else can we put in? We can't put, like, man, there's a whole list. The list pissed me off, though. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to the city of Jacksonville. Fuck you. I feel a lot of hate coming from from Bate tonight. Yeah, but Bate's shoutouts are always very much. Let's talk about his life and all the shit that goes on. In it. I at least I want to start a corner. Like, it's going to be called Bate's bitching corner. It's going to be called the BBC. We're just going to talk about <laughs> shit once a week. It pisses me the fuck off. It's going to be oh, great. I can, like I can make a title block for that. Oh, thank you. Can we? we we, yes. we, we, we'll do that. We'll make that happen. So we'll have okay. a, we'll right, the good. BBC title block for Bates Pitching Corner. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, Jay, you're up. Oh, goodness gracious. I got nothing on that one, but uh, I will give a quick shout out to Autism Awareness Month. So it is Autism Awareness Month. And uh, interesting, interesting thing about that, a lot of most people don't realize this, but I would suspect that if you grow up in modern North America uh, today uh, and you're somewhere in the age fan of the people that listen to this podcast, the odds are that you know or you are related to somebody that is somewhere on the autism spectrum. So just a little bit of awareness and thought, uh, a little bit of thinking uh, thinking about that. And if you do like to do something kind of charitable on your own, this would be probably a good month to kind of signify that. I normally don't go into pitching charities, things like that, but it is probably a good thing to be on the lookout for. So that's my shout out. All right. That's really good, man. Um, and for me, uh, you know, <laughs> It's, it's, it's typical, but I got to give a shout out to you guys. Um, this is our, our third year of doing this, episode 153. Uh, I had no idea it would actually last this long, especially after, you know, we kind of started off as a, you know, a dust podcast and that, that came and went. Um, and we've, we, I think we've gone actually really strong, if not stronger, um, ever since that kind of disappeared. So, you know, you guys have been great. Um, you keep me motivated, keep me, um, from just, you know, lazing around all, uh, all weekend long. And it, it helps kind of keep my mind from going, you know, totally to jello at the end of the week. So, uh, I do appreciate it. And I, I really do enjoy having, uh, having our talks and our banter and, and doing the show. It's, it's a lot of fun and I'm, I'm looking forward to another year of this. So, uh, you know, again, thanks guys. It's really great. And also to all the listeners. Um, I know we do have some really, really dedicated people out there that do listen and, um, and give some, some really great feedback. I know that, uh, Nomex, uh, he's a guy who used to be in, in my corp back in dust and he kind of got back into, um, 
you know, listening to the show and, and he's been commenting on, on the, uh, the recordings and stuff. It's, it's really good to see, you know, even people coming back and kind of, you know, being like, Hey, I remember this show back in the day and, and actually giving their feedback. So, you know, that's, that's really cool to watch to see. And, and I do appreciate everyone who listens to the show and, and it's, it's really fantastic. So, um, you know, that being said, guys, uh, again, be sure to, to check out, um, you know, we have our, our weekly podcast, obviously we're going to start doing our, uh, bi-weekly gameplay videos, um, if we get these guys, you know, hooked up with some recording software and stuff, we'll, we'll try to get some more, more people recording and stuff like that. And it should be a lot of fun. So, um, you know, again, we really appreciate your support, um, you know, up till this point and moving forward. So I do appreciate it. Uh, that being said, everyone, I want to have, um, you know, I want you to all have a really good night, be safe out there. And, uh, again, I appreciate everything you do for us. So see ya.